0: Hello and welcome! (laughs) Who's freaky? 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 That's not how that song goes, but it's Freaky Friday. It's Freaky Friday, where we tell all your odd but true stories.
1: Chrissy, what do we got today? We got we got some paranormal stuff. We got several true crime things, Mm -hmm. and then we're ending with a wild story that just so happens. To be very in the news right now, it's like so.
0: simultaneously a Freaky Friday and a true crime headline yes. all at once. Yeah. Which, if you don't know, we do true crime headlines on our Patreon where we
1: discuss. I mean, it's self evident. I don't need to. You know, <laughs> there it is. It's true
0: crime. It's headlines. true crime headlines,
1: <laughs> but all we talk about is our beauty routines. It's really That's confusing.
0: Right. <laughs> I know people keep saying we got to rebrand. They're like, why are they talking about eyebrow maintenance? Uh, but
1: you know, Sometimes what? it's If you don't pluck, it's a crime. <laughs> That's you know. Right. Um, yeah, I think these are going to be some good ones. We got, uh, we saved that one for last because we are going to talk about that case some too. And because of that, we have five this week um, because that last one is they, they did a very good job going into some detail. So it's, it's longer than the other ones, but they're all very good. I'm telling you the other night I was just reading them. Oh, yeah. No, I read like them for, for fun. I print them like out for like a fun. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah them. I was mm-hmm. like, I could go on Reddit and read No Sleep right now, but instead, I'm going to read these. Because yeah, these like are for- true, and also, there are listeners. Yeah, I'm like, I would rather hear it from somebody we know, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. so you guys are knocking it out of the park. Thank if you. If you want to submit a story. The best way to
0: do that is to go to SinisterHead.com slash Freaky Fridays. We'll put the link in the episode description. Yes, yeah.
1: Do that. Um dms and emails are great for some things but these um it's it gets dumped into a very nice spreadsheet heather made and it categorizes them all into the different topics they are and and everything is very nice and neat for us so we can easily um take care of it and it's all organized so please submit that way doesn't go to spam or anything exactly Yeah, yeah yeah we don't miss it Well, let's get into it. The first one we're going to do is from Amanda H. Thank you, Amanda. And this is called Touchpad Ghost. First off, love the show so much. My sister and I saw you in Salt Lake and it was the best thing ever. Moving on. This happened almost 10 years ago, but I still think about it almost on a daily basis. I bought a condo and had just moved in. So no one else was living there and everything was still in boxes. One night, a week or so after I moved in, I got up in the middle of the night to pee, as you do, and I had just gotten back into bed. My bed faced the door, but was probably 10 feet away from it. The door closed completely, all on its own. It latched and everything. The window was closed, and there was nothing that could have caused it to close. I took a deep breath and then just shook it off. I laid back down on the pillow, and I was getting ready to fall back asleep when I noticed a strange light. Across from my bed, right next to the door, is a security control panel. I didn't pay for the subscription, so I didn't really mess with it. However, the screen didn't change unless you touched it. So there I was, comfy in my warm bed. The door had just closed on its own, and now something is scrolling through the screens in the security system panel. Just swiping left for 15 seconds straight. I honestly do not remember what I did. I probably said some choice curse words, told whatever it was to leave, and then plopped my head down to sleep, because as a teacher, I do not have time to lose sleep on a school night. Since then, I've ripped that control panel out of the wall, had a roommate or boyfriend living with me almost all of the time, and felt no negative vibes from whatever it was that lives in my house. I still have no idea what that was, why it was worried about security, but it was the spookiest thing that has ever happened to me. Anyways, stay creepy. Oh, my friend. <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank you. All of
0: all of the things they did was the right thing. Rip the control panel of the wall. Get somebody around to witness things. And I also like choice curse words and being like, I don't have time for your shit. I've got to go be a school teacher <laughs> right? tomorrow. Go, we're all going to bed in this house. Or... Ghost, you can go with me and take care of all them kids tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You want that? Mm-mm. I don't no, think you do. and that's when
1: the ghost pieced out. Yeah, of all the people to haunt, don't haunt a school teacher on a school night. That's just ain't got time that's for your terrible. Shit. Don't do that. Oh, ain't got time for your shit. This is the beginning to a horror movie.
0: The slamming the door with the latching and then the messing with the security mm-hmm. panel. I'm like, what are you trying to like turn the alarm off so I can't ask for help?
1: Yeah. Or they're trying to turn the alarm on because something else is trying to get in <laughs> your face. Oh, that's nice. What if it's a protective ghost? Yeah, that's or yeah. Or if something violent happened at this house and it's oh. like a reenactment of whatever happened. Fuck, I just got creepy. Chills. I know. That's a good I don't I don't want to say this. That's a good one because Amanda, we sympathize with you. If someone was to write a screenplay, I think that would be kind of a a very creepy cool horror plot line it's true because you you
0: wonder why did the ghost keep closing the door and locking everything Mm -hmm. why is it you know turning on the alarm but that's oh heart-wrenching yeah it's very creative i love it
1: i don't like we said with the whistling and the laughing Mm -hmm. it implies the ghost has a mouth this implies it has hands fingers it's it's (laughs) gotta have something it's gotta have fingers to be swiping on that thing I don't like that. I don't like that at all. No, 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 no. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for sending that in. The next one we have is from Erica, and it is called The Time I Witnessed a Stabbing. So, I saw a guy get stabbed once. When I was living back east, I found myself the frequent patron of a horrible dive bar. This was somewhere between 1998 to 2000. I was... Quote, dating the bartender. And we had this ridiculous relationship where I'd get mad at him and storm out, and he'd come chasing after me. So many red flags. One night I was sitting in my car waiting for him to come after me. The bar was two levels, and I was parked behind the bar close to the lower entrance. I could see the people walking up to the bar in my side mirror. A group of guys walked up to the door from the parking lot. They walked inside, but one guy stayed outside, a few feet from the door. Suddenly, he seemed to make a motion that looked like he was stabbing himself. I said out loud, "'Did he just stab himself?' Then he threw something out into the darkness and stumbled into the bar. I was shocked and didn't really know what to do. Shortly after that, the bartender came out and said, "'That dude just got stabbed!' I said, "'Um, no, he stabbed himself!' Someone inside had called 911. Police and paramedics arrived. They took him away in the ambulance." I talked to the police officer and I told him what I saw, pointed him in the direction of where I thought he threw something. They found the knife he used in the parking lot. Turns out he had stabbed himself with a steak knife he stole from Hooters when he and his friends had dinner before they went to the bar. Apparently he and his pregnant girlfriend had broken up recently and that was his way of trying to get her back. Who does that? Luckily he just nicked his liver and it wasn't super serious. If I remember correctly... I think they got back together for a little while, but it didn't last very long. Shocking, I know.
0: Do you think he made the decision to stab himself before they went to the Hooters, or he was at the Hooters using the steak knife and going, you know what, this could work. (laughs) That's a good question. Also, why are you using a steak knife at Hooters? You should be ordering wings. Yeah,
1: yeah, nobody needs a steak knife at
0: Hooters. The the wrong details here, but... (laughs) I don't know that I, if I've broken up with someone and go, why well, can't he's been stabbed? I can't now. That's, I can't keep yeah. breaking up
1: with him. It's very, it sounds like a very toxic relationship on yeah. many levels. That's that's so manipulative to it's so manipulative. Yeah. And I mean, it's emotional abuse and very traumatic to think, oh, well, I have to get back with him because he stabbed himself. And then you're, you think, did he tell her that he got into a fight and got stabbed? Does he admit? I stabbed myself because I couldn't have you anymore. Yeah. I'll, either way, none of it's good. But to be just sitting in your car, and first of all, Erica, we've all had that relationship. A hundred percent. So don't, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't we bad. have all dramatically gotten into a fight and stormed out fully uh anticipating that and expecting that they come running after us so easily easily but you're just sitting there in the car seething and you're like when is he gonna come out here and all of a sudden somebody stabs himself yikes Woo! yeah that your night went from bad to worse way fast yeah, you know but to remember. it was good that she did see it because what if he had tried to say i got into a fight outside and this guy stabbed me and robbed me and nah i'll There's a – you don't cross a woman that has been scorned, especially one that is just seething in her car, because she will – she'll see it, and then she'll let everybody know the truth. She's like, you rat bastard. You're not going to get away from this. (laughs) Also, but
0: kind of a Sherry Papini situation, you know, Mm -hmm. they go, well, what'd the guy look like that stabbed you? And no matter Mm -hmm. what you say, somebody's going to get picked up wrongfully. So good for her for telling the cops, nah, he did
1: this to himself and chucked the knife over there. For sure. Well, now we have – shadow brother from robin i grew up in a very old house in a small town in pennsylvania our house was small my parents bedroom was in the middle upstairs and to get to my brother's room you had to walk right past the foot of my parents bed my room was at the other end of their bed there was no privacy in that house anyways after my brother and i moved out my parents decided to move we were all at the house helping to pack up one day I was in my brother's old room, and he was out back with my dad. My mom had been downstairs, and I heard her walk back up the steps. I turned to tell her something, and I saw my brother walk up the stairs behind her and go into my old bedroom. I asked my mom what he wanted in there. She asked, who? I said, Neil. He just walked into my room. She said, no, he didn't. He's not in the house. I told her I definitely saw him, and I went to see what he wanted. He wasn't there. My mom pointed out a window and said, he's right there. I was really confused because I know what I saw, and he may have been shadowy, but the whole house is kind of dark. I saw my bald-headed brother walk right behind my mom, but he was never there. That was the weirdest thing that ever happened in that house. The weird thing is, I was talking to my niece about that day I saw her father, and he wasn't there. She had a shocked look on her face and said, "'I see that too.'" All I can think of is that something is attached to my brother, and honestly, that would explain a lot about him. I only saw a shadow like that one other time. After my dad died, I was having nightmares about him and couldn't sleep. One night in bed, I saw a large figure of a person move into my bedroom doorway. I lived alone, so yeah, it freaked me out. The figure stood there looking at me. I looked at it, frozen, but not exactly scared. It backed away from the door, and I got up and turned on the light. No one was there. I slept fine after that. Never had another nightmare about Dad. Ooh, having a shadow attached to you. this The creepiest part of this is the conclusion that he has something attached to him.
0: Yes, and that Denise sees it, too. mm mm-hmm.
1: yeah. This caused me some. to go down a bit of a rabbit hole... Did um, I how did. I did start googling some stuff, specifically about um like doppelgangers and things, and just how a, people think that there's a like this can happen, like that there's another you, but it's not really you. And then was it on no sleep? It may have been been on no sleep, that, or maybe it was something that was. I don't remember. I think it was no sleep. But it was this story about this guy, this teenager who was upstairs in his bedroom, and he heard his mom call for him to come down for dinner. But he knew his parents were out. And so he thought, that's really weird. I didn't think they'd be back so soon. And he walked out, and he looked downstairs, and he was like, Mom? And his mom came around from the kitchen and just looked up the stairs at him and smiled but didn't say anything And just then walked back into the kitchen. And he thought, this doesn't seem right. And he went into his room and he called his mom and she answered. And she's like, no, we're still out. Ah. Yeah. And so then he called the cops and the cops show up and no one was there. But he said, I knew that my mom wouldn't just look up at me and smile. It was very creepy. The creepiest part of that to me is what if he had gone downstairs? What would we? What would he have found? Stop. You just jumped back in your seat. It's creepy my, to think about. Feels.
0: Yes. Do they think it's like, an like, a leftover energy, or that it's like a malicious form of your spirit,
1: or it's a malicious spirit that takes on your form? I don't know the answer to any of these. I mean, Jesus. there's um. Like a lot, one of the lores of Goatman is that he can take on the appearance of someone that you know and just kind of infiltrate your group. There's another really good no sleep story about how this group of friends is camping in the woods and then all of a sudden there's an extra person there, but like nobody really noticed them. And then it's very good. You got to go read it. It's probably one of the most upvoted. I talk a lot about no sleep. I'm telling you. Every time I'm on there, I'm like, "There's so many good, talented writers out there that we just right? don't know about." <laughs> but yeah, whatever it is, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound like something I want to deal
0: with. No, the leprechaun can also create visages, so it mm. looks like
1: somebody that you know, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's luckily, a saw. luckily when Robin walked into the room, nothing was there. But what if it had been, and then it's your brother, but it's not your brother. Yeah, and, and he's he just, just looks looking and... he's he's there's just something not quite right and you just know it's it's a little off. Mm. <laughs> don't like that. Don't nope. like any of these. I mean, I love them. No. I think they're great and creepy and I love I love to be creeped out like this. Would not want to be in this situation.
0: Yeah, I'm proud of you for getting through it, Robin. <laughs> I just don't personally want to go through it. For, for good sure. for you that yes. you made it out alive. Well, what have you got for us, Heather? All right, I got some good ones for you. This first one is from Cam. And it's, the subject line is skeleton found in my hometown's bank. I grew up in a pretty small town in Louisiana called Abbeville. It has a charming old downtown area with a gorgeous old bank building. My mom used to work there as a teller. In 2011, renovations were being done on the bank. During these renovations, a skeleton was found in the chimney. Obviously, it was huge news around town. DNA tests revealed that he was a man who went missing 27 years ago. People who knew him said that he'd been known to skip town, so he wasn't reported missing at the time. Nobody can know what really happened, but the local theory is that he went in through the chimney attempting to rob the bank, got stuck, and died. It's already a crazy story, but what's even crazier is that this all happened while my mom was working at the bank. We really couldn't believe how wild this was. It's so sad to think that she was at work going about her day while this man was dying in the same building. It's also crazy to think that for 30 years, everyone in town was going into this bank not knowing about the dead body just feet away from them. Here's another level to the story. The 80s remake of The Blob filmed lots of scenes in my town, including shots of the bank. So, 1988's The Blob includes lots of footage of a building housing this body. I just found some home movie someone uploaded to YouTube of the film set, and this is one of the comments. Crazy how during this film, there was my aunt's husband's brother's body in the bank fireplace the whole time. That's a small town for you. If you want to read news stories about it, just Google Abbeville Skeleton Chimney and you'll get all the deets.
1: I have some questions. Yes. First, do you think he was dying? Like he was alive and couldn't yell for help and he was alive as people were coming into the bank working and, and, and things and he could hear them and he just slowly died? Or do you think it was an immediate death and people were still walking around with his body in there, but he wasn't alive? I think it would maybe depend on when
0: he got in there and also the layout of the bank. Because the chimney would indicate to me a fireplace, but I can't imagine a bank has a, you know, a traditional fireplace. So maybe maybe an like old an-
1: one if it's H-Vac, a really old, know. old type of... Like, original type of bank. I don't know where you just counted money sitting around a fire. And <laughs> that's something that they just counted their gold coins around a warm fire. They're like, uh, how else is Santa going to get into this bank if we right? don't have do <laughs> yeah, a chimney? We need more money and we got to ask Santa for it. We got to build a <laughs> chimney. You know how hard it is to run
0: a bank nowadays. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I would wonder if maybe if he snuck in on a Friday and then no one was going to be there, because thinking, oh, I'll get in the bank when it's empty, yeah, and then you get stuck, and then, of course, there's nobody there to help you. So that's Dang. extremely sad.
1: Karma, immediate karma, probably yeah, uh, too much karma. Too oh, much. Oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Not, not, um, it's, not, it's not worthy of, of the crime. That's very eerie to think that... So, for that long, decades, people are just coming in and out, and that's just sitting there. They don't open the side of the bank. I guess there's no
0: need to, but, and then film the whole movie there, too. So, Mm -hmm. that's sad, but, you know, and at least uh, the guy's family, it sounds like, you know, they didn't report him missing at the time. So, they just probably figured he was off living his life somewhere. And turns out, uh, not the case
1: at all. But now at least they know what happened. Maybe it's better. They thought he was you know, doing his thing instead of what really happened. I guess it would have had to have been pretty far away. Wouldn't there be a smell otherwise? Yeah, I imagine if it, as long as it's blocked by bricks and
0: stuff, there probably wouldn't be a smell. So, yeah. What if they made a
1: fire? Yeah,
0: I'm very concerned at the security of a bank (laughs) that has a chimney with a fireplace. That doesn't seem, you'd have to have a guard that one guards the door and the other one guards the fireplace. Yeah. But if they lit the fire, you would think that you would smell something. Yeah, well, what kind of a bank? That's rude. You go into a bank; they should offer you suckers, <laughs> coffee, and also a
1: fire to warm your tutsies. Yes, by. I, I, I would do all my banking there. Last time yeah. I've been into a bank, I can't even remember. You went; they didn't. they were out of money. <laughs> See, oh, that's the why bank you do it all online. You don't even need to go just into no one. Money.
0: <laughs> this bank ma'am you need to drive to the other bank down the street this bank has no money in it
1: I'm like what's They're your like,
0: job then well then you need to write a letter to Santa because it sounds like y'all need a <laughs> delivery you know what that bank didn't have a damn fireplace so that's probably <laughs> where they went wrong well thank you Cam for turn, uh, sending that in and now we have one from Sam Sam and Cam uh, this one the subject line is my uncle should have been a victim of the Chowchilla bus kidnapping of 1976 my mom was the oldest of nine children After the 10th and eldest above her died in combat in the military when she was young. The baby of the family was my Uncle Mark, who was at Dairyland School in 1976, soon to be headed to high school. My mother at this point lived in Merced, another tiny asshole of a town off CA-99 that never gets talked about either, and only got more well-known after the UC was built in 2007. This is eventually where I would be born and grow up. But in 1976, I wasn't even a twinkle in my mom's eye. Instead, she was focused on my newborn brother and two year old sister. On the day in question, my mom and her husband at the time were on their way to the Merced Fair when they heard on the radio about the Dairyland summer school bus disappearing on Avenue 21. A long, mind-numbing rural road that can make you feel like you've entered some sort of Twilight Zone time-lapse pocket because there's nothing but farms and orchards and more farms and more orchards for miles and miles. When my mother heard this, she turned to her husband and demanded he head to Chowchilla. And when he asked why, my mom said hollowly, that's Mark's bus. My uncle Mark was going to summer school that year with the other kids who were on that bus. For more context, These kids were what you'd refer to as remedial. They weren't developmentally challenged. They were just very poor academic performers. And the summer school program was to help boost their confidence and skills in preparation for the next school year's curriculum so that they wouldn't be forced to be held back. My Uncle Mark was one of these kids this year, along with his good friend Mikey, and he hated it. He hated everything to do with school in general, but especially doing the summer school programs because all he wanted was to spend his summer like any poor rural young teen boy would. Swimming and cow tipping and all that other good cliche small town stuff. Now, Merced is about 15 minutes or so north of Chowchilla, so it shouldn't have been long before my mom was able to reach my grandparents and get more details. Shouldn't have been, but was, hours and hours before she was able to even get her mom on the phone. The entire town of Chowchilla was blocked off from the outside like a quarantine. And there were, according to my mom, police and FBI agents fielding people away from trying to enter the town limits and refusing to let them have access to phones. This was because they were trying to keep the phone lines open because of how jammed they already were due to calls by the families of the kids in town and the media trying to get information. At this point, my mother is panicking, trying not to wake her newborn while arguing viciously with law enforcement that if she wasn't allowed access to a phone to call her mother immediately, shit was going to get real. My mother, being the oldest, felt often like a second parent to her siblings, and was honestly just born to be a caregiver. And her mama bear instincts are scary to behold, just as an onlooker, never mind when you're the direct target of her ire. She once talked a loogie into a boy's root beer and served it to him with a smile not once, not twice, but three times in one evening because he stood my sister up for a date the night before. She also once stabbed a fellow waitress in the hand with her pencil for trying to take away the kids menu and crayons from me when I was there at one of her shifts and she couldn't get a babysitter. I could go on and on (laughs) saying. Keep in mind too that Chowchilla was a very small rural town. My mother and her family knew every single one of the kids that were on that bus, and she had many of them over to her house during that particular summer because they'd just bought their house in Merced and it had a built-in pool, the kind of high-end luxury lots these kids were in awe over. She wasn't just terrified about her brother, but about all of them, and so was everyone else who lived in town. Anyway, the point is my mom's not very subtle threats of mayhem if she didn't get her way eventually worked enough that they were allowed into the town, only because my uncle was scheduled to be on that bus. When my mom got to my grandparents, her dad was just getting into his own car to drive down to the police station to demand answers for where his son was and what was happening. My grandmother was beside herself, and my mom took on the task of making sure the other kids in the house weren't getting too scared, distracting them with my baby brother, and taking on meals in the bedtimes and stuff. When the door opened after a little while, my mom was devastated because it hadn't been long enough for her dad to have gotten any sort of good, involved information. It had barely been long enough for him to drive to the police station and back at that point, considering all the crazy traffic. She was expecting her dad to walk in, either saying he hadn't been able to get to the station or that he had and the news wasn't good. Instead, my mom and grandmother watched my Uncle Mark slam through the front door, yelling that he was sorry and he was okay, and collapsing into my grandmother and my mother's arms, everyone sobbing. My family isn't lovey-dovey, so this was some shit. Then my grandmother's eyes went wide, and she yelled at my mom's husband to run after my grandfather and get him home. It turned out that Uncle Mark had decided that since it was the last day of the summer program, he was going to ditch and hang out with some of his older friends in the fields and at the river all day. He never got on the bus to go to school in the first place and wasn't on it when it was headed back to be hijacked by the three Richie Riches on Avenue 21. Since he was playing hooky, he wasn't aware of the missing bus until they were all headed back into town listening to the radio. When he heard, he rushed straight home, knowing his mom was likely freaking the ever-living fuck out, which, of course, was entirely accurate. Everyone was so relieved that he hadn't been on the bus and that he was suddenly home safe and accounted for that he didn't even get in trouble for ditching. The bad news wasn't over by any means because the rest of the children were obviously still missing and would be for a while yet, including, again, Mikey Marshall, my uncle's friend. None of my family knew that while they were sitting, eating, and praising God, Mark hated school enough to skip out, Mike Marshall was helping their favorite bus driver, Mr. Ray, dig themselves and the children out of the buried van into safety. Chowchilla is the kind of town that takes care of its own business and expects you to mind yours. The kids involved and their families were all of the poorer population in town. And while Chowchilla Royals, as my mom referred to them, would often never deign to sully themselves by associating with lower-class families like these, there's nothing that brings a tiny community together like a huge threat to their most vulnerable, the children. All of the community, from the rich on down, spent that entire next year supporting the kids and their families, providing for their care and needs, for the trials to come and the therapy that ensued, and paying off every media outlet that they could to get them to leave these kids alone. They didn't want attention, their families didn't want their children's pain exploited, or for them to be forced to continue reliving the incident even more than they already did on their own every minute of every day. It's finally talked about more, especially since the 48 hour special, and there's a CBS article on it. Love what y'all do. Keep it
1: creepy. I had never heard of this, and Sam included links to some articles about it. And I spent the next several hours reading about this, and it is wild. And I texted you and said, This, listen to what this story is, and you immediately said, Was it the Chowchilla bus kidnapping? Because Mm -hmm. you would watch some YouTube breakdown about the top 10 Mm -hmm. craziest kidnappings in history. So to keep it shorter than we would for like a regular episode, this bus was kidnapped, hijacked, on the way to their school. It was full of kids aging from like 5 to 15. The only adult was the bus driver. And they were hijacked and taken to a quarry where they then were forced by the hijackers to jump from the bus because they didn't want any footprints, traces of footprints on the ground, jump Mm -hmm. from the bus into this trailer type of van that they had buried like 13 feet underground, a moving truck in the quarry. Mm -hmm. They had outfitted this moving truck with a place for them to go to the bathroom some water, some food, but not very much. And there was very, very poor ventilation. And mattresses. Yeah, and mattresses. So they get all the kids and the bus driver down in there. They shut them all in. And then their plan, the whole reason for doing this was for ransom money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, because the phone lines were so jammed from all the parents trying to call about their kids, the hijackers could never even get in contact with the police to demand the ransom.
0: If you've kidnapped a bunch of kids,
1: you can't do your
0: uh ransom call. What do you do next? Do you take a nap? Cuz that's what they
1: did. They took a nap. Yeah. I well, <laughs> it was probably very exhausting for them to do all of this. Yeah. Uh, Imagine
0: having my thing is you have such little conf, like conscious like conscience that you don't give a shit that there's kids that are literally stuck mm-hmm. with no air that you're able to just nap. Yeah,
1: that you can you just, can just sleep. fall asleep. They also one of them I know was very wealthy. I believe they she, she refers to them as Richie Riches. Yeah, they did not need the money. The quarry that they were buried at, the one of the hijackers, it was owned by his dad.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And later, they people later said they saw the three guys digging one night, but they didn't think a ton about it because it was his. It, his dad owned the place. Well, while they're napping and everyone else is freaking out, Mike Marshall. Mm-hmm. The Mr. brother Mike Marshall yeah, start he's he's quoted as saying in an article like, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna at least try to get mm-hmm. out of here And they start digging they they manage to pop open part of the roof of the moving truck and there's just mm-hmm. dirt above them and he mm-hmm. just starts digging with his hands to dig to dig their way out and he finally, gets to the top and they they start like trying to lift all the kids out and everything well they had put 200 pound
0: industrial batteries to push it so mike marshall and the bus driver have to like really push it out i mean to the kidnappers really uh, that's the thing you can't just be like well, we didn't really kidnap anybody yeah you locked them in you put you put 200 created a whole layer underground
1: layer that they were going to keep them in
0: I don't think there's any plausible deniability.
1: You owned no. it. You proved
0: it. Also, the DA later, they searched the family's house and it said
1: plan. They wrote out a thing that there said was, plan. There's was pictures plan. of it, of like written on paper of yeah. at this time we do this. Th- this person by name is there's. This is what your job is. Now we the call of for the ransom. ransom note. Yeah. Yeah. They had it already. They, no one told them write it and regret it, thankfully, because no. they were all three arrested. Two yeah. of them were eventually paroled, I believe. Yes. But the the mastermind, I believe, is his name Fred Jones? His name is, uh, yes. No, Woods. Fred Woods. He's about to be, he's up for parole right now. He, they let him out. Okay, so they did let, yeah. They let him out just like two weeks ago or something. And that's why it's been in the news because all of these children who are now, you know, in their 50s, or 40s, are still extremely traumatized by this. I've watched several interviews with survivors that are like, I have to sleep with the lights on. I have PTSD. I have, you know, I can't um, hold relationships because of the trauma I've suffered. And they're like, I can't believe that that they let him out. I mean, no one died. Well, he's been approved for parole. I misspoke. He's been approved. I I didn't think he had gotten out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's been approved for parole. So it's coming up. It it could happen. And he's the last of them. And, you know, even though no one died, the lives of these children and Mr. Ray were forever changed, which mm-hmm. then changes the lives of everyone else in their lives and so on and so forth. So it's, you know, people have the argument that, well, you know, he served his time. And then survivors are saying, no, no. He needs to be in there forever for what he did to us. And also, he,
0: the other two gentlemen didn't really have any uh, behavioral issues. Fred Woods has been running businesses from inside of the jail, which is not necessarily on its face illegal, but you have to get the warden's permission, and he's been doing it secretly. So he's not even, you know, he's not even following the rules. It's all about money. He also mentioned in various places throughout the years like oh this could be a good story almost mm-hmm. like you do it to like try to make a movie out of it or something or sell your book rights or whatever and gross yeah it's pretty gross it, it's crazy to me that you just like you don't even need the money it's like a thrill thing but they had said oh well we need multiple if we want to get multiple millions so they were asking for five million in the ransom note that they had written but in never the got 70s yeah five million in the 70s so that's what they were going for and you know, that's just greed.
1: All of it's just utter greed. Yeah. And to um, a lot of the articles I read, they're like, where did they think this money was going to come from? None of the, these. Uh, the
0: California, the state of California had announced a budget surplus, so they were going to ask the state of California for the money. Ah, there you go. That's what their ransom note, which they never got to read. So, yeah, everybody's like, we don't have any money to pay you. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, we're going to. Like, in what world does the state pay that ransom? Anyway. I also saw an interview on Inside Edition uh, regarding his 2019 parole. I mean, he's been up for parole like 19, 20 times. So the one that he came up with uh, came up for in 2019. One of the survivors was testifying, and was just saying, "You got to let him out." Very pro Fred Woods, and it was strange because a few years prior, she had given a tearful. Uh, interview to the news where she was like exactly what you said like he needs to serve the whole sentence he got 27 life sentences like leave him in but then information came out and it was alleged that via a retired detective in the area the woods fred woods himself or his family these were the allegations were bribing survivors and offering Mm. them money if they would go to his parole hearing and say, because the survivors are very vocal and will go and say, no, to this day, like you said, I'm in my f- 50s. This still messes with my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, my, I'm I'm served a life sentence. He should serve a life sentence. Well, I guess whoever is paying these survivors or trying to, like I said, most of them, one lady said he called me and offered me money. and I turned him down and mm-hmm. told him to stick it where the sun don't shine. But the allegation is this recent in 2019, the survivor that came and was pro him was not only pen pals with him, but was also receiving funds from him. Wow. Is what was reported on inside edition, which yet again, it's like you have this money and you think, okay, mm-hmm. well the one thing standing between me and freedom is, you know,
1: these survivors that keep speaking out. Well, I'll just pay him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty gross. It's and uh, yeah, you can find easily online pictures of the van that they were kept in underground and, um, the conditions it was and after they got out they said quarry workers were just standing there like what the fuck i mean you just see all these you see 30 kids come out the ground you're like what is going on and obviously police were contacted they show up then they had to be bused back to where because they they had driven them way out far from where they were
0: that's what I realized until I was watching there's a long form podcast I think it's called Nightmare in Chowchilla that just came out like a month ago, oh. maybe in February it's a six part like long form podcast that interviews all the survivors and the woman that hosts that was on the news and she was like what people don't realize is they were in the moving truck stuck for 12, 16 hours mm-hmm. without but before that they were removed from the school bus and driven around in, t- in small vans for 11 hours mm-hmm. so it was almost 24 full hours that you
1: have now traumatized these kids yeah. for yeah and so, they were so far from their home that then when they're found, they had to be bused back to. So you get out of one bus. You got to go into another bus. Like, then they ugh. were kept at the holding facility until their parents could get there. So, I mean, by the time, like, their parents got to them, yeah, it had been not maybe close to 48 hours. That's harrowing. Yeah. It's it's so scary it's to, to, to be, I mean— like I said, I think it was anywhere from like five to fifteen were they were the age of, the, of these kids. And then mm-hmm. one adult who you know is like, I gotta th- this is on me. This is on me mm-hmm. and Mikey Marshall. Uh good on you for being like, nah, this isn't how we're going
0: out. Right. It's we're, like Yeah. I'm fighting they said uh the what woman else that can hosts you the do? podcast. She also said they have Ed Ray Day, which Ed Ray was the bus driver that they created, like, a day in the city, like, in his honor to honor him every year because he was so, you know, brave Mm -hmm. in the face of that. If you are in California, the proposed parole decision by the hearing panel becomes final in 120 days after March 29th when the decision came out. After that becomes final, the governor has 30 days to review, and he can either allow it or refer it to a full board review and uh, he can't. The governor doesn't really have any power as far as reversal because it doesn't. It, that only he only has that power if the person was convicted of murder, which he was not convicted of murder. But uh, I don't know if you can like write to the parole mm-hmm. panel. I'm sure the victims, the survivors, have a you know somewhere you can collect signatures or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's it's a wild, wild story. We, I don't know. It's. Like my worst nightmare realized on both accounts one being mm-hmm. kidnapped as a child, I've said that was like my worst fear as a kid, and also my kid being kidnapped. And then back then, you didn't have cell phones, so you did have to drive to a police station to find out any information. And if everything's blocked and you can't get there, can you imagine? Yeah, and the streets are blocked. Yeah, you're like, well, I'm gonna leave my car here and walk and, and run. Yeah, this, yeah, run? that's yeah. how you would have to do it back then. Well, If you were ever going to pick a day to skip school, this is very much one of those sliding door moments where where we say, you know, one decision changes the trajectory of your life. So Uncle Mark, yeah, Uncle Mark, you picked a picked a good day to skip school and um, let this be a lesson to everyone that sometimes you don't need to go to school. There you go. Perfect attendance. (laughs) Perfect attendance is not all it's cracked up to be. Well, thank you to Sam and everyone else that submitted their stories. These were all chilling and thought-provoking and just very interesting all around. And we're glad that everyone ended up safe out of these. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you've felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash FreakyFriday. I have a Freaky Friday because I saw a Marfa light. Maybe I'll do that. I'll send one. Oh, you're gonna send it in. I'll send Please my. Please send Freaky it Friday. in to sinister. slash Freaky Friday Heather.
0: Oh, well, I'm gonna go to the form for consideration.
1: So thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, all all submissions are considered, so uh, we will consider yours, Heather. You're part of it. Thank you. So it was amazing. it's a majority vote. We'll see okay. how it goes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad free episodes, a sinister head sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini sode, patron exclusive video and audio content including Emma the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines. We got a new segment coming up too. We got something A one-off
1: or maybe we'll do it over and over. I don't know. But it'll be a good one for sure. (laughs) I just uploaded about an hour ago our latest relationships one and boy howdy. That one. They are... Uh there's three. One in particular is a is a big doozy, but there's a lot yeah. of a lot of chatter already on, on Patreon about it. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. We also do our monthly live streams where we allow uh the getting into it tier to vote on what we're gonna do and then we do one of our segments live and they're always a lot of fun. It's just like being in the studio with us. It is, it is, it very much is. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option
0: to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership.
1: For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your
0: sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want some cool Sinisterhood swag like t shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit sinisterhood.com and click shop on the top banner. The
1: best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow
0: us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, and follow us on TikTok
1: and YouTube. I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and TikTok. And then I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather?
0: I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram and TikTok at Heather
1: versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
0: Sinister